0: the church is not a gps location the church is not any building not this one the one on the street the church is you and me that's who the church of god is uh today as before we get into the message i'm going to encourage all of you to take notes so if you do not have a paper to take notes the ushers are equipped with that this morning to pass out papers uh, if you need a pen they have that too and if you're gonna use your phone I recommend you put it on airplane mode so the enemy cannot distract you with any incoming messages of X Y or Z right so we are going to be taking notes I'm so excited about what we finished worship with today just a reminder that our God is strong the reminder that our God is the one that really does the heavy lifting he's the one that does the big part our part is so little for those of you that have kids or you were a kid I don't know if you knew this I'm gonna break it to you uh, or have grandchildren Do you ever have that you come home with tons of groceries and your kid wants to help out and they're little Do you give them the bag with like the three gallons of milk or do you give them the bag with the bread which one The milk, yeah, you don't have that yet. You give them the one with the bread, and if you have, you know, the eggs in one, or you have the cereal box. Which one do you give them? The cereal box, right? And that's our father. He does the heavy lifting. He does the one that could break. He gives us the easy load. And in that, this morning, we're going to talk about enduring. To endure. That is our part. That is what we need to do. We need to endure. Our Heavenly Father is the one that does the heavy lifting and the one that opens the door that nobody can open. That closes the door that nobody can close. That's what he needs to do. That's his job. Our job is to endure. And the ladies that were here for conference, anybody here that was here for conference? (laughs) Pastor Amy opened up with talking about endurance. And when she opened up with endurance, I was like, whoa, God, you're just like amazing. Because that's the word of endure, a piece of that, that God wants me to deposit into you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, right now, we just come before you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the time of worship we were able to have. Lord, right now, I pray that you anoint me to be able to deliver this message, but you anoint your people right now to be able to receive it, Father. I pray their ears be anointed to hear what you want them to hear, that their eyes be anointed to see what they need to see, Father. I thank you for you who are in this house, and your perfect will will be done this morning. I thank you for you complete... You finish the work you have started in us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So this morning we're talking about enduring, about overcoming, being conquerors, about finishing, being victorious. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God needs you to be first. Did you know that? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God needs you to be second or to be third. What the Bible does say is God needs you to finish, to finish the race before you. Because the enemy would love and loves to have you look to the side and say, hey, they're passing me. We received Jesus at the same time. That's it. I guess I'm just not capable. I just, I just can't. And you give up. But the Bible doesn't say you have to be first. You have to finish the race in front of you. So those of you that are praying for family members, dear friends, that have not surrendered to Christ, that have, maybe they know there's a Jesus, but they haven't surrendered. They haven't said, Jesus, you, you be in control of my life. It doesn't matter what time has passed. Because for God, what he can do in a day is what we can do in our own effort. 10 years, 20 years. So when they come to Christ, they will fulfill the call that they have. It doesn't matter what time has passed by. Because in God, we are called to endure and we will endure. His heart is for us to finish. If we can go to Romans 8.37. Write it down. Everybody has paper, right? Notes. Romans 8.37. I think a lot of you know this scripture already. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors in him who loved us. If you can't tell, I want you like to like talk with me. Uh, more than conquerors of him who loved us. We don't conquer on our own strength. How do we conquer? His strength. Because of his love, we are more than conquerors. That is what he wants for us. That's his plan for us. Philippians four thirteen. Anybody heard of that one? Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Great, but finish the sentence. How do I do all things through Christ who strengthens me? So we are called to endure. We are called to finish. We are called to persevere. We are called to overcome. We are called to be more than conquerors in Christ. And he has told us how to be able to endure. I love it because we have such a loving God. He doesn't just say, I need this from you. Go figure it out and do a good job. Don't mess up on me now. He does it. He tells us what he wants. And if we really pay attention and we really listen, we'll be able to see the how. He might not show us 10 steps in, but he will show you the next step. Because the Bible says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sometimes you just have the lamp and you can see the next step. And you know what? That's enough. Sometimes he'll show you the path. And that's enough too. He might not show you the turn coming ahead. But as soon as you get near that, he will tell you. If you incline your ear and you hear what he has to say. So before we jump into the how we endure. I want to show you a little bit of when we endure, there are special blessings, special blessings in store for you because you are the church. For me, because I am the church in store for us. So we're going to go to the book of Revelations. Yes, Patty is preaching from Revelation this morning. I know some of you, when you get that from, on your Bible reading plan, you sort of pretend it's not even there. Or you say, oh, here we go again. I'm not going to understand a word. We are going to go there this morning and the Holy Spirit is going to bring clarity to certain areas. Revelations 2, 7. It's very easy. It's the last book in the Bible. Chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear. If you have ears this morning, raise your hands. This is for us. (laughs) What the Spirit says to the churches. Are we a church? Who's the church here? Raise your hand, churches. We are the church. Second point. This is definitely for us, right? We don't have one. We have two parts. To him who overcomes. So, him who overcomes. I will give to him to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Tree of life, you know where we see this in the Bible? In the book of Genesis, when God made creation, the tree of life represents everlasting life. So why do we have this joy? Why do we endure? Because we want God's everlasting life. That is the blessing that's tied to be able to endure and persevere and overcome is our everlasting life. A few verses down. Revelations 2.11, write it down because you're going to study this this week in your quiet time. He who has an ear, let him hear. Who's that? That's me. What the Spirit says to the churches, that's me too. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. What's that? The second death is hell. Hell. Because it's not only we die physically, but what it happens to our spirit? But God says, he who overcomes and doesn't give up, and that's you, you're not going to give up. Hell is not your destiny. You're going to heaven. That is what the blessing is all about, obtaining heaven. few verses down, Revelations 2.17. Again, he who has an ear, let him hear. That's me. What the spirit says to the churches, that's me too. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. I'm going to stop right there. Manna was that provision given to the people of God that was given to them supernaturally. So a blessing of persevering, of enduring, of staying the course, of finishing your race, is that you will have supernatural provision upon your life. This provision was given to God's people when they didn't have a plan B. They were in the desert. There's no water. There's no cattle. There's no grass for the cattle to eat. And we have the cattle. There's no grass for them, see? So they're going to die anyways. Like, there was, like, not a plan B. But a supernatural provision came. So if that's you this morning, that you know you need supernatural provision. It's not that I can work a little harder or, you know, I can, I can just, you know, do, you know, talk to so and so and let me just humble myself and I know that they'll help me out. No, this is that you have no plan B. You need supernatural provision from God. Well, that's a blessing in store for those that endure, for those that don't give up. Okay. And I will give him a white stone and on the stone a new name written on it, which no one knows except him who receives it. In the Bible, your name is tied to your purpose. It's tied to your identity. It's tied to who you are. And God is saying, if you endure, if you stay the course, if you do not give up, I am giving you a new name, a new identity, a new purpose. Those things that have been your past, that is your past. And you are moving forward. But you can't give up. You can't give up. A few verses down. Revelation 226. And to he who overcomes, that's also you, we're overcomers in Christ, and keeps his works until the end, to him I will give power over nations. Who wants to walk in authority? Who wants that promotion to be placed in a place of authority to be able to do And actually, What you say matters, not that when you say something it's like you hear the bird chirping because nobody like, yeah, what they say doesn't really count. Let's go to the one, like, let's go to the real boss. Let's find out, anybody experience that at work? You may be tasked. The boss even tells you, go tell so and so this. And you know, oh, that's yeah, not going to happen. If she doesn't say it, like, or he doesn't say it, nothing's going to happen. That ever happened to anybody? Well, God is saying that part of this blessing that comes for you overcoming is that authority that is his authority to bestow on whatever he wants to bestow. Because all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. But we have to stay the course. We have to stay the course. One more in case I haven't driven my point of that. We need to be able to persevere. A few verses down. Revelations 3.5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. We are not invisible before our heavenly father. He knows us. Jesus will present us before our heavenly father to be known, to be known. And there's the blessing for those that stay the course, that don't overcome. For us, the church, right? So how do we do this? How do we endure? Anybody ever gone through stuff? I've gone through stuff. Anybody ever had that, do I really want to keep on doing this? In whatever situation that may be. Well, how do we do this? First point we're gonna go through seven points this morning, but write it down. We need to remain in our first love. Remain in our first love. Revelation 2 4. Go to that. Revelation 2 4. Remain in our first love. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You know that this word was written to the church. This was not written to the unbeliever. This was not written to the person that has not committed their life to the Lord. This was written to the church. And if God is bringing this to our attention, we're going to run through these things that most of it is found here in this book. I want to pay attention. Because he wants us to overcome. He wants us to finish the race. He wants us to be able to endure. So if he's throwing up a sign of saying, watch out, I want to listen to that. Because that's the love our father has. If my daughter is walking down and I see that there's a pitfall there because I love her, I will jump down and tell her, hey, don't go that way. If you say, I'm going to come to church, I'm going down to one through 137 Avenue. And I know that there's a big accident there because I love you. I'll tell you, Hey, change course to 132 or go up to 147. Like, like I don't want you to go through that. So this is God telling us what we need to adjust. Revelation 2, 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. This church had been distracted. This church had let the cares of this world take over. They were doing a lot of good. And later as you study this, you'll go back and see. They were doing a lot of amazing stuff. But they got distracted. And they started focusing on the what's the next thing to do and the next thing to do. And forgot that, hold on. What's the first love? When they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? To love who? Who? love god then it comes the second one, but what's the first one love god above everything above everything and it's going back to that place of understanding i want to endure i want to be planted by those living waters that i give fruit in season and out of season the first thing is returning back to that first love and never forgetting it and when you recognize i'm being distracted get back on course and say no god it is about you passion how many in here are married? Are you okay that your spouse gets distracted with other people? Are you okay your spouse would have pictures of other girls on their phone? Or, or other men on their phone? For Are you okay? No! With a big N-O, an exclamation at the end. <laughs> not happening. Distraction's not allowed in that love covenant. So our love covenant with our Heavenly Father, we can't allow for distraction to try to penetrate into that. We have to stay the course. We have to have that heart of gratitude. Gratitude for what? Cause my life is perfect? No. Gratitude is because our life is not perfect. Cause we have messed up. We had a father that sent Jesus Christ upon that cross to die for us, to save us, to redeem us. That's what we have gratitude for. That's what we have gratitude for. We have to have our hearts. That first love is about a heart that can't get enough of God. We had an event at the school last week. And in our school, like I think most state county public schools, there's always a long line to try to get in because you have to get your little sticker, make sure that you're cleared, this and that. So this lady, a mom of this event that's going to be taking place, brings this nice, I mean, I'm not a dog person, but this dog was cute. This dog was huge, super fluffy, lots of fur, and she just tied him at 12 o'clock Miami Heat, tied him around the tree, and made her line. She was gonna go into her event to be able to see, you know, her child's, you know, Hispanic heritage event, and then come back. When that lady gets back, hopefully she gets back, and puts water in front of that dog, what is that dog gonna do with that water? Is it gonna be like, Oh, that's so reef. What is that dog going to do? Devour it! I can't get enough of it. I want that. Well, that's we need to want God so much. There's a scripture in Psalms that says that as the deer pants for water, so my my soul thirsts for you, God. You need to have that constant thirst inside of you. If I want more, more of your presence, more of your word, I want to feel your deposit upon my life. More of God. That is the first love I'm talking about. And if you maintain that in your life, you will endure. You will endure and be able to stay the course no matter what storm comes, no matter who comes and tells you, give up. You're going to look at them and say, like, not giving up. I've been loved way too much to give up. Not happening. Number two, remain poor in spirit. And I know some of you are looking at me like all weird. Pastor just finished a series called what? The Blessed Life. It was about you give and God, just the blessings God has in store for you. So Patty now is talking about being poor in spirit. I'm going to go somewhere. Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew 5.3. I didn't make a mistake. It wasn't an error on the slide. Matthew 5.3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, Jesus said this. Is it right in your Bible? Jesus said this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What am I talking about poor in spirit? It is you need to be in a place that you love God with all your heart above everything. That first love. And second, that you recognize, I need God. I need God. Patty cannot do it. Patty does not have it all together. Patty needs God in every area of her life. To be a mom, I need God. To be a good employee, I need God. To be the daughter that God wants me to be, I need God. To be a sister in Christ is somebody, else, I need God. To be a pastor, I need God. It is recognizing that you need God. And that is not what our world standard tells us. The world standard says if you want to walk in authority, you better know the answer and better know it now. And you better know everything that's taking place. How dare you walk into a meeting and not know every point that you need to do? But to walk in that endurance is when somebody tells you, I led, decide right now, A or B, that I led would be brave enough and bold enough to say, I need to go pray about that. And not care of an eye rolling, oh, there she goes again with those Jesus things. And not care that they might think that she's weak, she's actually very strong, to be able to stand up and say, I want Jesus in this equation. So being poor in spirit is constantly knowing that you need God. Not you want God. Not it's such a good thing for me to say I go to church on Sunday. I am such a good person. That's not what I'm talking about. That you recognize I need God. Because I know if I talk, some of you when I talk to you, some of you need that morning coffee. And you know that you do not leave your house or enter your workplace without your morning coffee. Because you, you, you need it. Well, that's nothing compared to needing God. We need God. That's why the Bible says you shall seek the Lord when? Early in the morning. Trust me, God's had to do a huge work in me on that one. I have, I can sleep until the last second. Before I had children, I had a time. I need seven minutes to get out of the house. Seven minutes. So if I need to, I mean, I had everything ready. And God had to do a work in me to say, "No, no, no, no! You need to seek me early in the morning. You need to recognize that you need me as much as you need that coffee, as much as you need your breakfast, as much as you need that, you need me to be able to get done this day what needs to get done." So what was number one? What was number one? Remain in your first love. Number two. Number three. You have to guard righteousness. Go back to Revelation. Last book in the Bible. Easy to find. Revelation 2.14. But I have a few things against you. Again, this is talking to the church. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. In the church? That happens in the church? to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality in the church. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of collation which thing I hate. Guard righteousness. You need to guard against perpetual sin. I'm not talking about sin that you are tempted and you fall into. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that you know that this is sin. And how do you know that? The Bible said it. So if the Bible said that that goes against the heart of God, the three-letter word for that is called sin. And you know that it's a sin, and you keep on walking in it. That's what I'm talking about here. We need to kick that out of our life. Sexual immorality. In the beginning, I talked, you know, we're the church, right? And we're the temple of temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are not to defile this temple. It doesn't line item what sexual immorality is, but if you want a line item, go to Old Testament. There's a huge list there. And you can go in New Testament, Ephesians, Galatians, and you're going to see what is the works of the flesh. That is not walking in righteousness. God says guard your righteousness to be able to endure. To be able to endure, you need to say, I am no longer going to allow that in my life. I'm going to continue. But the interesting thing that's happening in the church, maybe the pastor and leadership were like on point. They were not in this, but they were allowing this to take place. You know that you need to take authority over your territory. What is your territory? Your household. Maybe you live in somebody's house. Well, that room they've given to you—that's your territory. Your workplace, that little desk that you have that they're putting you in, or that corner. Or maybe you have an office. That's your territory. You have authority in there. Those that that heard Barbie's testimony and say briefly, she mentioned how the Lord brought her out of the occult. And she got to a place that she realized, I can't be doing this back and forth thing. And she got rid of all those statues, all that stuff. And she got rid of it. But guess what? She had her dear mom living with her that had those things too. But she knew, that's my territory. Because guess what? If she missed mortgage or rent, they weren't going to go after her mom. Who are they going to go after? Her. That's her place. So if that's her place, she has authority over that. And she had to not care what they were going to say, what they were going to think and say, not in my house. I'm cleaning house. So to be able to endure and not fall every time, not even a, I mean, not, not even a hurricane, the Miami tropical storms, you know, that it comes and that's it. It's like walls come down and it's like you're leveled. You need to be able to have walk, remain in that first love. Remain poor in spirit knowing you need God. Be able to guard that righteousness. It is what you need. Now, I want to be clear. What is not your territory? That child, stand up Alexandra. Her? I can tell her what to do every day and five times a day. Sit back down. But if you have (laughs) not But those of you that have older kids with their own household, that's not your territory. You can't go in there cleaning house. You can pray for them. You need to intercede for them, but that's not your territory. Only if you are given that authority to go in there can you do something about it. So know what your territory is, and when God has showed you, do something about it and align it. In Ephesians 4.27, we're not to give the devil a place, to give the devil a foothold. Don't be confused. Don't think that you have authority to the devil. Stay behind that curtain. It's too embarrassing to address that. I cannot be seen as a Christian that is not hundred percent love. You know Jesus was 100 percent love and 100 percent righteous? So you can be righteous and walk in love. You can't tell if you know the devil's hiding behind that curtain, that's your authority, you don't tell him, stay behind the curtain. No. Before you know it, he's all over the place running wild and destroying everything that you have built. You need to say out, not here not happening this is my territory that god has given me and it is a god territory the bible says everything my foot touches everything i stand on is blessed and holy so let's make it holy let's make it holy for jesus make it holy number four don't tolerate corruption don't tolerate corruption revelation 220 Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allowed the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things, sacrifice to idol. Jezebel. Who's Jezebel? Jezebel, it's a spiritual thing it's talking about here. But in the Bible, we see the actual person Jezebel. Jezebel is somebody that says they're talking on behalf of God, but not my God. I don't know who they're talking on behalf of. But they will make you think that this is what God says. In 1st King 19.1, we see there the person Jezebel. So this is when Elijah had called fire from heaven. The sacrifice had been consumed. The king, a king has what? Authority, right? So the king seizes. And the king then feels he has to do what? And Ahab told Jezebel. He had to just tell her what happened. Have you ever encountered in your life, or maybe right now, that you don't know why you just, when you're in front of this person, you just have to say all this stuff, and you're like, why did I even say that? Like, I I don't understand. There was no reason for me to have to say this to somebody. There was no reason for me to have to do this. Well, that's the spirit of Jezebel. That's trying to control you. That's trying to intimidate you. It's a controlling spirit. We see in the next verse too, how when she hears this, she says and sends word to Elijah, I'm gonna do what? I'm gonna go kill you. Elijah had just called fire from heaven. But because this is an intimidating spirit, he went and started doing things that he never thought he would do. He went to go hide in a cave. He was having suicidal thoughts, suicidal confessions after he had just seen God do a supernatural, miraculous thing. He was intimidated to the place of doing and acting the way that he never thought he would. If you can recognize that around your life, you need to say no more. I am going to endure, I am going to overcome, I'm going to finish my race, it doesn't matter what name is tied to that spirit right now, I'm going to kick it out, I will not be manipulated or intimidated to go against the heart of God, you need to kick out that corruption, why is it corruption, because the enemy would want to tell you, submit, be loving, you can't say anything, no, no, you know, just let them do whatever. If you know that it doesn't come from God, you get it out. You get it out. Number five, to endure, to overcome, to persevere, to finish the race, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. Revelation 3, 1 and 2. And the angel of the church of Sardius writes, These things says, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive. This church has like a good name, a good reputation, right? But you're dead. Remember this to the church. And right now, if any of these is current, it's right now. Things are 90% image. And 10% substance. You live your life of how it's going to be perceived versus living your life, how it's going to be successful, how it's going to please God. But it's not about what it looks like and however you define what that looks like. It's about pleasing God as a true life producing. I am tired of seeing men and women of God that actually love God but cannot identify that they are living in a state, that they are in slumber, that they are asleep, letting the devil come, kill, steal, and destroy. Anybody went to a lighthouse this week? This week, the main fundamental verse in most of the lighthouses was John 10.10. That the devil comes to do What? To kill, to steal, to destroy. So if that is what you are seeing, recognize that is not God. That is the devil. And you say, I need to wake up. There's a war going on. You know what the war is against? Your life. Your life. Your generation. What you can produce. The enemy wants to cut that off. He doesn't want you to finish that race. But I'm here telling you today, we need to wake up as the church. We are the church. We need to wake up and say, no, Lord, I want to be vigilant. I want to see. I want to see what's happening and be able to stand up for you. We need to be awakened. And we need to do what God would want us to do. It's not about our deeds. It's not about how much influence we have in our social media, how positive we are. It's not about how we can stand up for this good cause or that good cause. That does not cause change. That looks good. It feels good. You know what that reminds me of? Eve in the garden. The devil told her, doesn't that look good? Are you sure that God said that? Come on, just a little taste here. Really? We can't go by what we see. We can't go by, I'm I'm talking a physical scene, right? What is the true depth? Where are we? Where are we? Proverbs 3, 5. The kingdom of God is a heart thing. It's not a visual thing. It's a heart thing. What's the heart we have to have? We have to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not in our own understanding. Goes back to being poor in spirit, recognizing I really don't, I really don't have all the answers. Thank you God, because you may have gifted me with X, Y, and Z, but really I need you God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Again, this is a love message. May not seem like that, but it is. Because God wants us to finish the race. Who was number one? Go back to your notes. Who was number two? Number three? Number four? number five number six endure patiently those ladies that were at conference you heard Pastor Amy talk about this in depth I just have a few things to say about this go to Revelations 3.10 because you have kept my word about patient endurance I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell in the earth Don't give up. Don't give up. May it be challenging. I was looking up the life, and I don't do sports, but God led me to look up Michael Phelps. You remember him? The swimmer that won, like, all these, like, awards, all these medals in the Olympics. His regimen of training is insane. The amount of reps on not only in the, in the water, on the pool, but he would do 500, you know, sit-ups or crunches in his morning routine. Then he had a different afternoon routine. He had a strict diet. Why would he do this? He had a goal. Well, our goal is to please God. Our goal is to attain heaven. Our goal is what we talked about in the beginning. All these blessings that are stored to be able to endure. Forget about Michael Phelps. What did Jesus Christ do to endure patiently? Cause that's really like, like, that's, that's the big one. That's, that's really who like tops everything. Well, Jesus Christ, how did he endure patiently? He prayed all the time. Jesus had to pray. So if Jesus, part of his routine to be successful was to pray all the time, guess what? So you have to pray? Do I have to pray? Oh, yes. That is part of that patient endurance. Endure patiently. Jesus preached all the time. Did he preach what everybody wanted to hear? Not always. But he preached the truth in total love. Jesus healed everyone all the time. Uh, If you hear Sammy, uh, Sammy, two years old, When she doesn't want something, like if she's done eating or whatever she wants, she'll go, tomorrow. And super like with a conviction, like, no, you need to have one tomorrow. Like we're done. Like this is tomorrow. I am so glad that Jesus Christ never tells us tomorrow. When we call out to him, he is there for us today. Now. Not tomorrow. But now. Jesus was obedient. You know Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was baptized by somebody? Think about it. Jesus needed somebody else to pray over him. He needed somebody else to baptize him. Well, his father had said it, so he was going to be obedient. He was so obedient he went to the cross, not wanting to go to the cross. So that is how you endure patiently, is following what Jesus did. What Jesus did. Look at Revelation three seven and eight, because nobody wants to endure patiently, right? When they say, you even hear the thing, don't pray for patience, because if you pay for patience, what happens? You get trials. But sometimes we 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 need to get built up, you know. Sometimes we're a little snowflakeish, you know. Any little thing, and we're like, oh, the world is all collapsing. What happened? What happened? My nail lady had to cancel on me. You got to be kidding me, right? We need to go through a little, you know, we need to build up. We need some resistance there. We need to get it together, you know? And then the men, you know, some really love the work. You can't go to the gym today. <gasps> I can't go to the gym today? What do you mean? What do you mean? I can't go to the gym today. (laughs) It's okay. Sometimes we have to endure. And we're going to endure patiently. So Revelation 3, 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church of Philippia write, These things say to uh, says he who is holy he who is true he who has the key of David he who opens what nobody else can open right and he shuts what nobody else can shut I know your work see I have set before you an open door that no one can shut this is right before we just read about patience and endurance I want the door that God has for me because I know that's the door that God has for me. That is the life-producing door because I am tired of walking through doors that I thought were the right ones and halfway through, you're like, oh man, why did I say yes? Why am I doing this? I really don't like this. And you start just going on and on. So before we walk through the door, if it's a God door, run. If it's not, not for me. But it looks so good. Can you imagine then how good God's door is? If that looks good, can you fathom what God would have in store for me? If he thinks that's not for me, you should get excited when there's a door that closes. Because I cannot even wait. What is that one that is for me? And the last one. Number seven. We need to be hot or cold. Go to Revelations 3, 15 and 16. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Okay, so God would want us to be cold or hot. Look at verse 16. That for me gets me every time. Can you put 16 up? It's okay, the background's different, not a problem. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will what? You out of my what? The Bible says that? The Bible says that. We need to choose. We need to be hot or cold. We need to choose. Hot water is medicinal. Hot water brings healing. Anybody ever had to get a tea? Do you brew a tea in cold water? Do you brew a tea in warm water? It has to be piping hot for that to brew correctly. You need to be hot and when you're, you need to be passionate about Jesus. Not to say that Jesus is not death. I know that. I know my husband says, Patty, like tone it down. The music doesn't have to be that loud. I get it. You know, if you are in a place and you cannot be, you know, be passionate, God will hear you if you need to pray like this. God will hear you. You have to pray under your breath. He will. But if you have the opportunity to shout out, To call out to him, call out and shout out and be passionate for him. Cold water is refreshing. Cold water is just so refreshing to your soul and to you. So whatever God has called you to be, you do it a 100% and not settle for mediocre, not settle for the middle of the road, not settle for wishy-washy. I'm going to do I'm going to pursue you, God. I'm going to pursue you, God, no matter the cost. And in closing, worship team can come up. Revelation 3.19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. This is because God loves us and he wants us to finish is why he wants us, that we can put all the, the difference, um, the seven points on there, why he wants us to remain in that first love. He wants to remain being poor in spirit. He wants us to guard righteousness, to not tolerate corruption, to be awakened and be vigilant, to endure patient, to be hot or cold because of the love. And if you recognize this morning that there is an area here that you have not, because I was doing this, I was, repenting before the Lord that's what he says repent he said repent it's not go in a corner and cry because you've been a horrible person no he says repent and how do you repent you call out to him and say God Thank you for your love that you have shown me an area that I need to adjust so I can continue running my race. Thank you, God, that your love would reach me in this way. Father, thank you for showing me. And Right now, I repent. Forgive me. Forgive me for doing. Fill in the blank. And the second part of that prayer is, God, help me to forgive myself me to forgive myself for falling into one two and three and you know what happens the word of god says he is faithful and just to forgive you it's not right now go and now cry and i can't do anything for jesus because i i messed up repent and run and run and endure and finish your race that god has set in front of you The past, who doesn't have a past? Can anybody raise your hand? I can't raise my hand. Maybe she can raise her hand. I don't know. That's them pointing to the six-year-old. That's about it. We all have a past. And I'm sorry if you've gone through stuff. I'm sorry if you've been through situations and nobody should have had to go through that. I am sorry that you had to go through that. But you know what? You have a God that says, look before you, look what I have before you, look what I have before you. The past was rough, it was tough, it was horrible under every classification. Any way you twisted, it was bad. But in spite of that, God says today is your day to arise, to arise and run.